So let's have a word of prayer as we begin this series. Our Heavenly Father, we cannot praise you enough for what you have done for us. And Lord, there's just nothing greater than when we surrender our lives to you, because Lord, you pull us in and we become a family. And Lord, we are a family that is united all over the world because of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for what Christ has done for all of us. And it's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Amen. I want to start today uh, on this series by just getting into one of the most difficult things, and that is how in the world can we help uh, our children and our grandchildren? What is it we can pass on to them that is timeless, that is priceless, and, uh, and that's a difficult, difficult life lesson. And one of the things that I love about kids and the relationship between kids and adults is, first of all, uh, would you agree that kids teach us a lot first? Would you agree? They teach us a lot. Years ago, I read about an NFL player, and, and that's exactly what he did, is he decided for a 24-hour period of time, he had a three-year-old, he would do everything the three-year-old did for the entire time. He said it was the worst workout of his life. <laughs> How many have ever even used the phrase, man, if I could just bottle that energy? You wouldn't need Starbucks, as Tobin went. You wouldn't even need Starbucks if we could bottle that energy. But you know, they give us life, kids give us life, but I think we need to invest in them. There's a legacy that we need to pass on to them. And so, uh, I mean, weeks ago when I started praying over this message, I'm like, is there a text that I think we need to pass on to every young person? I mean, every scripture is important, but is there a text that to me kind of just gives perspective? And I got to be honest, I don't know in my life a, a text that has given me more perspective than Psalms 23. So I'd just like for you to turn over to Psalms 23 we're just going to walk through this amazing Psalms and see really this perspective of life that affects everybody from a newborn to the moment you draw your last breath on this earth. This, this is all about life and perspective. I think it is a foundational text. So let's begin with verses 1 and 2. And here's the promise this morning. We're going to look through the eyes of a shepherd and we're going to see what God does for us throughout our lives. And first of all, God gives us rest. He gives us rest. Look at verse 1 and 2. The Lord is my... Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. If you love to read, I love to read. And there's a book that was written years ago. You can get this on Amazon uh, used for probably a buck or less. And it's called The Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23 by Philip Keller. And what I love about this little book, it is a shepherd, uh, just a born-again Christ follower, who as a shepherd tells you why this psalm means so much to him, but he gives you so many really neat insights on shepherds and their role. And one of the things that he points out, which I think is so true, is first of all, you need to know the great shepherd in the Old Testament who wrote this was who? David. I think it was his greatest work. I think this is David's masterpiece, is Psalms 23. I think he poured his entire life into Psalms 23. And he's saying, listen, first of all, you need to know the role of a shepherd, and we need to know the heart of David. And here's something about a shepherd. It starts with sheep. Do we have anybody here that has ever raised sheep? Anyone? Okay, we got a handful. Okay. Uh, here's what I've heard about sheep. First of all, they're not the smartest animal in the pen. Would you agree with that? Second of all, they are defenseless. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just don't have like fire-breathing sheep. I mean, they are 
just pretty much woolly and worthless. I mean, they, they create revenue, but they are just helpless. And of all the comparisons of animals and us in the entire Bible, do you know who we're compared to the most? Wouldn't it be awesome if we were lions or wolves? And eh, we're sheep. I mean, all the time we're called sheep. Why? Because without God, what are we? We are helpless. So first of all, we need to know the shepherd, and we need to know that we are compared to sheep. You go to the New Testament in John 10, 11, it says, Jesus is called the good shepherd. And I love the scene in John 1. Do you remember when Jesus came to be baptized and he walked into the water? What was it that John the Baptist said? Behold, the voice said what? The Lamb of God. Everybody understands what that means when he says the very Lamb of God, that the perfect Lamb would be sacrificed for all of us. The Lord is our shepherd. He makes me lie down. Now, if you're taking notes or you're highlighting in your Bible, will you highlight this? Because this applies to countless people. I can tell you how many times it's applied to me that he makes me lie down. Sheep don't like to lie down. One of the shepherd's major roles is to actually make sheep lie down for their own health. And we too need to lie down. I want to show you a couple of slides. Here's the first one. And I want to see if you know what this is. So let's show that slide. You guys can pull that up. There it is. Anybody know what that is? Real quick. Okay, let's phase it away. That's John chapter 1, or excuse me, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. You'd say, well, I can't read that. Now, let's, let's see if you can understand this next slide. See if you can read that. Let's pull that one up. Can you read that? Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, to whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What was the difference between the two slides? One thing, margins. Can you imagine reading if there were absolutely no margins? How long would that last before you'd say, I am not, I am not going to read that? And that is too hard to try to take the sentence and structure it and put in the commas and the periods and the, the margins. And yet, how many times do we do that with our lives? I mean, we have no margin built into our lives. My guess is some of you this morning, this week, you are stressed to the max because you organized yourself in such a way that there was zero margins. And when you have zero margins, let me ask you this, is there usually collateral damage because of that? Do people pay when you have no margins? Yes, they do. We all pay for it. And we all do it too many times. There's a, another book over the years I've loved. It's by Dr. Richard Swenson, and it's called Margin. And here's a quote, and I want you to listen carefully to his words. We must have some room to breathe. We need freedom to think, permission to heal. Our relationships are being starved to death by velocity. Wow, he nailed that. No one has time to listen let alone love. Our children lay wounded on the ground, run over by our high-speed good intentions. Sometimes we think, if I can just cram one more thing into my schedule, I mean, that's what I need to do. And there's a reason why one of the Ten Commandments is to obey the what? Sabbath. Because Sabbath means rest. This week, some of you, have you actually rested? I heard somebody say one time, sometimes the most spiritual thing in the world is to take a nap. Can I have an amen? Yeah, that's exactly. Sometimes we need margin in our life. And I love that picture of 
He makes me lie down. Now, here's what God's done in my life. I bet he's done it to you. When you don't have margin in your life for a long period of time, oh, God will bring margin into your life. And how does he do that? Abruptly. He'll say, oh, you can't have margin. Oh, you don't have margin. I'll take care of that. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the hospital, especially men, and I'll visit them. And they're like, I think God's trying to tell me something. I think so. And usually God's trying to just slow us down. Second of all, God protects us. He gives us protection. Psalms 23, verses 3 and 4. Let's read this together. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now when David wrote this, this was so powerful because the, the greatest locations to move sheep, especially when you're moving them long distances, is eventually you want to get them into the valleys. But to get them in the valleys and you come off the mountains, is these very narrow paths. Now there's something about those paths. Number one, they're extremely dangerous. And if there's bad weather, it's extremely dangerous. Also on those paths, that's usually where if there's anyone that was going to jump you or rob you, that's where they would hide on those paths. So the shepherd always had to be thinking ahead about the upcoming day, the path they were going to take, and the potential danger on that path. We all are called to be on the path. It's interesting, it tells us in Proverbs 4.18 that the paths of the righteous are like the morning sun. And then Proverbs 4.22, it says, we are to be careful in our thought that our path should be steadfast in all our ways. That, that path is to lead us towards a right relationship with God. That even in life's most dangerous situations, He really is there to protect us if we're willing to walk on the path. In other words, are you right, righteous, are you right with God? And then I love what He paints this beautiful picture. Matter of fact, in the King James Version, I love it because it says, Yea, you memorized this when you were a kid, didn't you? Yea, though I walk through the what? Valley of the shadow of death. In all honesty, I think that's a better translation. The shadow of death. The valley of death and how important it is that we realize even as believers that death is a very real part of life and here's what's scary even for our kids they need to know that how many of you remember the first funeral that you went to when you were a kid yeah you know why you'll never forget that that has a profound effect on you I remember I was like 12 and uh, I remember my mom holding my hand. Now, when you're in junior high, you do not want that. I'm like, what are, you, what are you holding my hand for? And she goes, I just thought you needed that. I'm like, no, I didn't need that. <laughs> you know, so I'm like brushing her away. But what I remember most about my mom is actually when I was about 10. I was at the kitchen table, and I said, Mom, um, can you tell me how my dad died? I, I really need to know how dad died. And uh, I just saw the tears start to well up. And she said, I've waited for you to ask. I wasn't going to say anything until you ask. And she began to weave the story, you know, my dad's dreams, his ambitions, and that uh, he went in for what he thought was uh, a flu shot and took some blood work. And they took further tests. And uh, uh, he was dying of lung cancer. My dad was a heavy, heavy smoker. He was a carpenter back in the day with asbestos. And um, that was in February. In May, he died. So I was just shy of four. And for years, I just didn't even know how to ask the question. But I remembered 
that conversation. It will burn in my memory forever. All of you remember moments that you've had discussions with your parents or your grandparents about this subject of death. And Christians should not back down from discussing death. Why? Because we have a good shepherd that's been there. He said, when you're going through these darkest days of your life, I just want you to know I am there. I'm constantly there. And then he gives a profound word picture. He says, thy rod and thy what? Staff. I want to share something with you that is, I think, an interesting perspective about both. And uh, the first is uh, the rod. Now, it's interesting that a shepherd, uh, I found out that had the, the rods were actually all different sizes. Sometimes you'll see pictures that's the size that remind me of a club, like a policeman might carry. Others, it was a longer rod. But it was always very uh, individualistic. In other words, when they would make a rod, they made it to fit their hand perfectly. Uh, I love baseball, so I think it probably looked like a baseball bat. They got it to fit their hands perfectly so that they could swing. And they would usually get uh, the wood so that there were hard knots on it. Because in, in all essence, that rod is a weapon for protection. And that was the tool that they used constantly whenever there was any threat of danger they would use that rod. So God is saying, listen, I'm here to protect you. If you're right with me, you need to know I will do whatever it takes, but I will protect you. And then the most beautiful picture is that of a staff. Now, when a shepherd uses staff, uh, here's two of the things that they did that I think are just awesome. One is of, of the sheep world. You know what, sheep, what type of sheep wanders away all the time? Just like us, lambs. Kids, how many of you have ever had your kid get away from you for like 20 seconds in a store? Isn't that fun? Yeah, your, your heart starts pounding and it's just a terrible place. I heard one time about a kid, true story, who wandered away and wandered away. This, it ended up unfolding to almost an hour. And you can only imagine the panic. Finally, they actually, you know how they shut the store down, the doors and everything? Call came in and they said, we found him. We found him. And he's in the office. The manager has him in his office. So he walked in, and the mom sees him, hugs him, and starts bawling. Now, the kid's actually drinking milk and eating cookies. And then he started crying. Why? He didn't know he was lost until he saw his mom. And then he realized, not only am I lost, <laughs> I'm going to pay on the way home. You've been there too, okay? <laughs> but here's this beautiful scene as a lamb will get away, and that shepherd will gently reach out, and he'll pull that lamb in. The other thing I thought was interesting, they said they actually have favorite sheep, and that was almost a way of teasing their favorite sheep, like they'd be wandering around and they might poke them, and they'd do the same thing. They'd reach down, and they would pull them in. Sometimes the shepherd would actually hold them. I think, well, what a picture of God with us. When we go through these times in life, and we feel like we're kind of wandering away from God, and you just kind of sense God pulling you back in, isn't that an awesome place to be? He wants to be there for everybody that's here today. Because I guarantee some of you, I know, uh, maybe this week or these last few days even, have been hard. You need to know that the, the shepherd is there with you. But here's what I love the most. God gives us overflowing joy. Again, let's read verses 5 and 6 together. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and the love will follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You prepare a table before me. Once again, months before they would move the sheep, a shepherd would always walk way ahead and he'd start strategically planning where the best places were for the sheep to eat. And they would call that the table because that was the lush food. That was the land that he was eventually going to get them to. And I think in my life, some of the most amazing memories that I have, and I bet you're the same way, are at your kitchen table. Some of your greatest conversations, most meaningful conversations, take place at that table. One of my favorite holidays of the year, honestly, is Thanksgiving. And I think it's just because of the memories of being at that table. God loves when his folks come together. He loves that. He's doing everything he can to prepare the tables in our life. And then there's this really interesting verse that says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, let me pause there and why that really is important. Why would they anoint these sheep with oil? And here's what happens, especially in the summer season. There's all these insects. And what happens is they get in the sheep and it gets so bad sometimes with the sheep that they'll get so annoyed that they'll actually bang their head against the ground or ram it against a tree. Now, how could something just small and annoying get them to the point that they're ready to run their head through a tree? Well, think about the little pains that we have in our life, the things that just drive us nuts, especially when we schedule too much in our life. These things always happen. It's things like long lines and slow drivers. It's the hole in your tire. It's the hole in your sock. It's the cracked window. It's the broken dish. It's the countless small things that give us a headache. And have you ever wanted to run your head through a wall? Am I the only one? Like these little things start adding up and adding up and adding up, and you're like, I just want to hit something. I just want to run my head through a wall. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever felt that way. God says here, here's what happens. The shepherd, he pours the oil, actually lets it run down the sheep's face. And they said, it's amazing how it will almost change their countenance just like immediately. Why? It's this frustration is pulled away. And again, think of the days that we've had that this one little thing after another starts to just eat at us. And if we just say, God, take this away or help me navigate through this. And I love the fact that just like that oil, God is saying, listen, my peace can come in the most difficult times. Man, I can bring something into your life when the world is just going crazy. You can take a deep breath and know, you know what? God is with me. And eventually, I have found, if you step back and kind of just breathe in and let God start working, you can actually start laughing about some of the situations that come your way. You really can. You just say, you know what? This is nuts that I've got this worked up over this, this, this. And I, I just have to just breathe and let God do what God does so well. God will do everything for us, so as it says in verse 5, that our cup overflows, that we have life, that we have energy, that we have abundance because of all that God has done for us. And then he concludes this amazing Psalms with this perspective. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will what? Dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that there's hope. Our kids need to know that. They need to know that there is hope. Everyone in this room needs to know at the end of it all that we have hope. Because I don't know if you've ever had this conversation with your friends, 
Man, I can't tell you how many times I've had, especially we'll come out of funerals and we'll say, what would you do? What would your family do if you didn't have the hope? If you didn't have the hope of God and the hope of Jesus Christ at the end of your life, what would you do? Seriously, because all the stuff you own, when you draw your last breath, guess what? It doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how big your house is. It doesn't matter how nice a car, how many trophies, possessions, positions you've had. It means nothing. When you draw your last breath, if you don't have the hope through Jesus Christ, where are you? But man, when you have Christ, when you or your loved ones draw their last breath and there's hope in that room, that is amazing. It is priceless. This week, I'll be honest, uh, it was a hard week uh, at Sherwood Oaks. We had two funerals Thursday and Friday. Uh, the Hepner family on Friday, and I would love for all of you just to continue to pray for the Hepner family. On Thursday, was a good friend passed away. Uh, his name was Phil Thompson. And uh, when I came back to Sherwood Oaks the, the second time, uh, Phil was on staff, and I got really close with Phil. And I can honestly say he's 20 years older than me, and... Uh, he was one of those guys, uh, I kept thinking, okay, Lord, I'm not there yet. I'm not like this guy yet, but I want to be like that 20 years from now. I mean, I really want to be like that. Just love life, squeeze everything you can out of life, laugh, cry, but Lord, I want to be like that guy. And it was just, like I said, it was this cloud all week over all of us on staff. We just kept thinking, Wow. And really, the only thing that keeps, like, like, lifts our spirits is this one thing. He had such a relationship with Christ, and he knew that there was hope beyond the grave. That there was hope. And I've shared this before, but we're in the hope business. We are all in the hope business. Some of you, I guarantee, are facing some struggles. Maybe this has been a really hard year. Maybe you've lost somebody that you love dearly. But the good shepherd is still the good shepherd. He desperately loves us. He loves everybody here. I'd like to just pray a prayer of blessing over all of you as we prepare our hearts for communion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody that's here. And Lord, you're still the great shepherd. And Lord, we're helpless without you. And Lord, you're there to just give us strength when we need you. And Lord, even when we have these little things in life that drive us crazy to the point that literally we want to run our heads to the wall, or whether we deal with losing somebody that we love with all of our heart, Lord, thank you for your comfort, for your love, for your presence. Thank you for being the shepherd that is always there for us. Thank you for your everlasting love. It's the greatest perspective in life, and that is that we have you. Lord, help us as we teach our kids day in and day out, that they can trust in you. Help us as adults to lead the way by trusting in you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.